Welcome to Real Love Now with Pastor Don Allen, recorded live from the church at Warhill in Dawsonville, Georgia. And now, welcome to today's message. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your presence. I thank you for your love. God, I ask you that you will speak to us today. God, you will take what divides us and show us what unites us. Lord, we love you and we praise you. We thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to bring you a message today entitled, We Are One. And the Lord's been working on this message for quite a while in my heart. And you'll see uh, several weeks back here in just a few moments uh, why I say he's been working on my heart about this. I think sometimes we don't realize how many things we allow to divide us. You know, there's a certain team, and I'm not going to pick on any particular team this morning, there's a certain team that for some reason, it seems like every car that ever cuts me off has that team on it. I mean, literally, they'll pull out in front of me, and I'll be like, what, what? And I go, oh, yes, now I see why. And I'm like, why, why are all of you like this, you know? And, and some of you go, what team is that? What? It's not a, that doesn't matter. The thing is, for whatever reason, that's the divide in my life. And we put these divides around us, and we, we put all these, these things up that, well, that, you know, they're like that, or they like this, or they like that. And today, I, we've asked you all to wear your different colors and to come from all the different backgrounds for a reason today. And, and we're going to talk about that in the Word here in just a moment. But I think it's so important that we realize that there are things that too easily divide us. But there is one common thing that should unite everyone in this room. So I look around celebrating this morning, the different colors, the different backgrounds, and I think about why you're wearing those. But today in John chapter 17, verse number 20, this is what Jesus said when He was praying. I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in Me through their message. Wait a minute. He said, I'm not only praying for these that are with Me now, but I'm praying for all who believe in the Gospel. I pray that they will all be one. I'm suddenly feeling prayed for. Just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. Would you say that with me? That they may be one as we are one. So today we ask you to come showing very distinctly what divides you. We ask you to come to this place to very clearly outline for others so that they will see the different divisions. I was trying to make sure I didn't have some families divided here, but the different divisions, the different, the different things that, that cause there to be roadblocks on the way to unity. It caused there to be roadblocks on the way. And I think about why some of you are wearing the colors that you're wearing today. You know, some of you represent colors that represent the state or the place that you were born in. Is anybody, anybody? Yeah, 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 awesome. You know, I'm, I'm in a unique situation for that. I've never lived a day in my life in the state I was born in. My mom drove across the line, gave birth to me, brought me back across the line. So even though Georgia is my home state, it's not the place of my birth, and so I'm a South Carolinian. All right, yeah, yeah, I'm a South Carolinian. And by the grace of God, no, I mean, I'm just playing, no, but uh, I'm a South Carolinian, with, but full Georgia, it's kind of weird. 
And that's, of course, it's significant that you may live one place, but where you're born into is, is, is what determines who you are. Can I, can I hear an amen for that? We might live in this world, but we've been born into another kingdom that determines who we are. Amen. And so I've got some friends that, you know, one of our, our team members uh, works for Clemson. And, and, and so, of course, I was born in the shadow of Clemson. And, you know, and I, so I, I'll find myself just having allegiance there because I was born there. Some of you maybe wear the colors of where you, uh, your, your alma mater, you, you graduated from that school. Do you have any graduates of the colors that you have on? Yeah, we've got a few of those this morning. You, you graduated from that school. Others wear that, those colors uh, just because you like the colors, or maybe you thought the boys were cute too, or something like that. Amen. You know, uh, some represent an individual sport. We had one that I was so excited about that said they were going to dress up that they were a competitive cooker. Come on now. Amen. Uh, I have one question. How come I've not been invited over to try it? Amen. You know, all these different things and all these different places that, that we represent and we come from, the teams that we align our with, ourselves with. Some of you picked a team because they were winners when you were a child and you stuck with that team. That's why you picked them. That's why... If you grew up in the era that I grew up in, everybody, and please don't hate me for saying this, but everybody uh, uh, paid attention to uh, the Dallas Cowboys during that era. Like, like, yeah, I thought Todd would shout on that one. Amen. Why? Because at that point, they were the winners that held the nation. And I think about all those different allegiances that we pledged out this morning, but yet we don't gather because of those allegiances. We're not here because we're a bunch of fans of one team this morning. We're not here because we're, we're all uh, have the same likes and the same dislikes. But today we gather in a very common place, not to celebrate what divides us, but to celebrate the fact that the greatest champion of all, the hardest battle ever won, the greatest thing ever done was caused for us, and his name is Jesus, and we gather for that cause today. We gather as one because of who Jesus is, not because of all the things that we would do things differently, not because, I mean, some of you are probably saying, Pastor Don, I, I don't know that I'd ever have a service where everybody shows their divisions. Well, I want you to, to get an image of that today because it's so important that you understand, even though that there are things that we may not agree on, and even though we may not cheer for all the same things, there has to be a common goal. There has to be a common focus. And how do we accomplish that? Well, here in John chapter 17, Jesus is, is praying. He's at the very last hours of, of the, uh, the time before his crucifixion. He is at the, the very rock bottom, uh, uh, it would seem, of, of all that left that seems left to be done. And as he's pushed to this point, as he's come to this place, all of a sudden he takes time to pray. And he prays this prayer. He says, God, what I'm about to do, let it bring honor unto you and may you receive glory. And he cries out for himself first. And then he begins to cry out for the disciples. And as he turns his prayer to them, he says, I know what they're going to go through in the next 24 hours. I, I know what the next three days are going to be like for them. And I know what the years ahead are going to be like. And he prays for his disciples. But then he begins to pray again. And as he prays for this third group, he looks down through time. And as he looks down through time, the Bible tells us that he says, I pray for all of those who will believe the gospel, no matter how far off it is, for all in the future that will believe. And you know what that tells me? He prayed for you and I at that moment. That Jesus Christ, right before the time of the crucifixion, looks down throughout time and sees your face. Seize my face. And what does he say above all else? What does he pray at that moment of brokenness? What does he say? I mean, does he say, oh, God, protect them. God, protect them. God. No, he says this. He says, God, let them be one. He said, God, allow them to be united 
as one. Now, this is not in my sermon notes, but it's what I feel in my spirit this morning. Do you not understand that we fight a battle, that we wage a war, that we go against an enemy that wants to destroy us, and the world is screaming, we've won, we've won, we've won. But let the church unite under the banner of Christ. Let us shake ourselves and arise, and the champions will be heard. What does Jesus cry out this why that we need to be one? Because one of the most fundamental needs of life is to know that you're not alone. To know that though you battle, though you go through struggles, though your family may be going through hard times, you are not alone in this battle. Some of you say this morning, Pastor, I feel alone. That's why I'm preaching this message. You see, I didn't come in here today just to fulfill my job. I didn't come in here just to have a message today, just to preach this morning. I came in here with a message that is mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And the enemy has tried to isolate you, but God wants you to know you are not alone. Amen. Some of you are going, but you don't know what I'm going through. I don't know what you, that you're going through, and you may not know what I'm going through, but God knew we need each other to get through it. He knew we would need each other to move forward. He knew that we could pray together. Someone to turn to in your time of crisis. Somebody said, Pastor Don, we, we, we run to Jesus in prayer. And I'm thankful you run to Jesus in prayer. But he also gave us a body that has skin on it so that we can be there for each other. Amen. Amen. I believe what I'm preaching to you today. And Jesus wants you to know that he's still crying, you're not alone. Listen to the words of Christ with that cry of you're not alone ringing out. Jesus in his prayer is saying, I'm about to go through a night as dark as any that you will ever experience. And he says, God is right here with me. And you're not alone because God's going to be with you. Then he says, what am I going to do in, and what I'm going to do in you is going to link you up with people that you don't even know. That's the promise God gave us concerning this church, that it would be a people who are not a people gathered from all over. Not that we would be a family church or not that we would be bound by a specific group or denomination, but that we would be a people that come from all different backgrounds and all different places. And the Bible says in, there in Ezekiel 11, he says, I will make them a people of one heart, united, and I will take their hard hearts out of them and I will give them a, a, a flesh heart, a soft heart that is pliable in my hands and they will do something something great together. I believe that God's called us for this hour and we cannot do it as the single one, but we are one and together we can accomplish much. So if our becoming one is extremely important to God, so much so that Jesus prays it for us before he's arrested, before he's crucified, why so many times do we not focus on being one? I mean, Jesus said, it's so important that you feel united to my body. Why do we not focus on it? Because one of the greatest struggles is we fight the battle of isolation. The enemy knows if he can isolate you. As a matter of fact, this is the way he, he will do this if you, this morning. He will establish areas of your life that you will keep yourself between. He will establish, look, this is how I've been hurt. And this is what I will tolerate. And these are the kind of people I get along with. And this is the kind of people that I'm going to be, that I'm going to minister to. And this is the kind of people I can worship with. And this is the kind of songs that I can sing. All kind of crazy things. And he'll build these walls around us to cause us to isolate ourselves. And before long, we'll start hearing things like this. We'll start hearing things that, that oh, they don't even know what I'm going through. We'll hear things like this. They don't really care about me. The truth is that the church grows and goes into three services. It gets hard to know each other. 
Man, I remember when the church was small and I ate at everybody's house all the time. Man, those were good days. Amen. But times change, guys. Then we were crying out for one or two to hear. Now God's given us the message for thousands and thousands of people to hear the gospel of Christ. I mean, things change. But that does not change the fact that the enemy's still trying to isolate. There are people listening to me right now. There are people even watching right now that you feel like nobody cares. Let me, let me just pour it out for you. That is the tool of the devil. That is the enemy wanting you to think they would not even miss me. They could care less. And, and he'll even get you saying things like this. I don't want to be a burden to anybody. We'll find ourselves even doing things like this. We'll be building walls going, it's nobody's business what I'm doing. Isolating ourselves. Jesus cried out and said, the most important thing is make them one, unite them together. Because if they get isolated, they'll get discouraged, they'll get beaten down, and then the devil will separate them from the power of unity with their brothers and sisters in Christ. And before long, they're going to unify with somebody, and they're going to unify with people of defeat. But I'm looking for people who will gather with me and say, there are going to be days that you need me and I need you. And because of Christ, we're going to pull together and we're going to show the world what Jesus had in mind when somebody became one. You see, it's a major attack from the enemy because the enemy knows that isolation leads to defeat. I want you to look around for just a moment this morning. Look, look around at the people around you. Just, just take a look at them. Not at them. Why don't you just look at them like, like you're up to something that, that they need to know about? Amen. I want to give you a simple truth. This is a sermon of simple truths. I want you to get this simple truth today. I want you to realize that your success in overcoming the things that are trying to destroy you is linked with those around you. The enemy wants to do nothing more than to make you feel divided and alone. And your success is linked. Last service, the, the waypoint... Uh, ministry was here in the last service and and I, and I thought about the way that they have to come from all these different backgrounds and all of them live in like six rooms and as they're living in those six rooms as they're struggling through those things in those six rooms together with all those opinions and all those decisions and all those things that have to be done there's got to be moments of extreme tension but I said but you don't understand the greatest thing you need to get from this is that the person who's just one bunk beside you they've already gone through what you are going through now and they know that if God brought them through that God can bring you through to be there to encourage each other for that when somebody walks through these doors and they feel like their family's messed up and they feel like there's no hope and they feel like they've blown their life that we can stand up as people and testify when we came through these doors we were just as messed up but the God of heaven gave us grace and he's restored us and he's changed our lives and he can change yours too. So if, if it's so important that we actually get on the same page and we be there for each other how do we start? I mean how do we get there? What do we do to get there? Well, today I, I want to take you back to where this sermon started. A few weeks ago, last month, while I was in Israel, we go into the middle of this sandstorm, and I, I don't know how to describe this sandstorm other than imagine if, if you had a, if it was a really, really hot day and you had a plastic bag and it just kind of stuck to you. That's what 110 degrees, 89% humidity feels like in a sandstorm. We walk into this northern region in the middle of this sandstorm of Israel. And as we walk in, we go somewhere I've never been before, and we go to a place called Dan. 
And when we walk into Dan, we come to this spot, and immediately God starts dealing with me about this service. I'm, I'm standing there, and everybody else is going on, and I'm taking pictures, and I, I actually shot a video from there because I was just so touched by where we were. And I, wanna, I just want to show you a picture of that this morning. Here what we see is a, a place in the tribe of Dan. But what you're seeing are actual stones that were laid down in 1 Kings chapter 12. This is from 1 Kings, we're talking thousands of years ago. This is 1 Kings chapter 12. Now, I told you that the enemy wants you to build up walls that will keep you divided from others. The enemy wants you to set place in, in your life things that say, well, I can't tolerate that and I won't do that and don't ever ask me to do that and to put all these things in your life because he knows if you put up the right walls and the right boundaries that you won't get together. And so what we see here is that very attempt from 1 Kings chapter 12. And just let me fill you in on this just for a moment. The nation of Israel has grown strong. The nation of Israel is as strong as it's ever been. And as the nation of Israel transitions from one King David to his son Solomon, it, the nation now just gets rich, unbelievably rich. And its power expands to throughout the world, literally. Solomon has reaches throughout the world. But Solomon abandons the things of God. Solomon begins to worship the pagan idols that his wives worship. And so Solomon then has judgment come upon him. And God's promise is this. That because of David's faithfulness, that two of the tribes will stay. But the other ten tribes, when Solomon dies, the other ten tribes are going to be ripped away. Solomon's son, Rehoboam, ascends the, th the throne. And the tribes divide. The king over the northern tribes, this area, the king over the northern tribes, his name is Jeroboam. And Jeroboam has no claim to be king except that God called him to be king. Jeroboam is trying to hold on to something that God gave him, but instead he won't honor God. He starts trying to claim it for himself. You know what? I don't know where this is coming from, but right now it's just leaping up in my spirit. We'll put all these things in our lives trying to hold on to what little we have, not realizing that God's called us to use what he's given us for his glory and to step out from behind the walls. And so what we see is Jeroboam says, well, no, no, I can't lose being king. I like being king. So he says, this is what I've got to do. In 1 Kings chapter 12, verse 27, he says, when these people go to Jerusalem to offer sacrifices at the temple of the Lord, they will again give their allegiance to King Rehoboam of Judah. He said, then they're going to kill me and make him their king instead. So on the advice of his counselors, the king made two gold calves, and he said to the people, it is too much trouble for you to worship in Jerusalem. He says, don't go pray together. Watch this. He said, look, Israel, these are the gods who brought you out of Egypt, and he placed these calves in uh, calf idols in Bethel and one on this very spot in Dan. He placed an idol, and this is the altar there that the idol would have been sacrificed uh, to at either end of his kingdom. But this became a great sin for the people worshiped the idols traveling as far north as Dan to worship the one there. Now, what does this have to do with you this morning? And why would I bring this all the way back from Israel to share it with you? Because I think the truth goes right along with what God's trying to do in our church. God calls us to 100 days of prayer. I didn't know that churches all over the world were going to be called during 100 days of prayer during this time. I didn't know the movement that God was going to begin to draw people together. All I knew is God was speaking to me concerning this church. 
And I began to ask people to seek the face of God and to call out with me in prayer. And as we began to seek the face of God, as we began to move after God, God's began to do a great work in our lives and change who we are. But then God began to show me this very truth. Because what Jeroboam essentially says is this. He says, I've got to establish some boundaries. I've got to establish some boundaries that will keep the people from worshiping together. He said, I've got to establish some boundaries that will keep the people from praying together. Why? Because if they go to Jerusalem and begin to pray together, if they go to Jerusalem and begin to worship together, the walls that divide them are going to begin to fall. The problems that have kept them apart, that have kept them fighting, are going to fall. Because when you begin to pray together, you begin to stay together. And when you begin to seek God together, you begin to unite around the cause that God values most. And so God, standing here in the middle of this heat, standing here in the middle of this sandstorm with literally missiles exploding in Lebanon, just a mile or two away at some points, I'm listening to all of this going on, and God's dealing with my heart about this truth, this simple truth. When people worship together and pray together, they will stay together. He clearly says in this act of seeking God, walls will fall and we will emerge as one. So what does Christ pray? He says, let them find the common ground of the cross. Let my people find the common ground of the cross where everyone is level and equal. Galatians chapter 6, verse number 2 says, share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. The Word of God says, look, it's not in how well you sing. It's not in how loud you preach. It's not in how many people are around you. He said, if you really want to be a Christian, tear down the walls, throw your arms around somebody that loves God also, and then people will know that you are Christ's disciples. Let me just give you another example. We heard this a few weeks ago. Charles Finney said, nothing tends more to cement the hearts of Christians than praying together. Never do they love one another so well as when they witness the outpouring of each other's hearts in prayer. And here's the truth I want you to get today. I want you to get this, get this, get this. You cannot pray with somebody that you don't like. I mean, you can pray over them. You know how that is. You don't like them. You're like, Lord, bless them. And you're thinking, burn their brains out, Jesus. But to tear open your heart with somebody you don't like, I have watched it firsthand. It cannot be done. Why? What happens when you get in the presence of God? The walls begin to fall. And when grace comes into your life, you can't help but extend it to others. I mean, when we begin to share the love of Christ with others, God begins to move us forward. So where do we begin? Well, we're gathered from all different backgrounds. We're pulling together for the cause of Christ. We're understanding that what affects you affects us all. I'll never forget when I was a boy and we were in an altar service. I was in the altar. I was feeling brokenhearted over something. I, I don't even remember what that was, but I knew that I, I was greatly saddened and I was in the altar praying. And I remember as the altar service was going on, there were people praying all around us. And many of you know my youth pastor at the time, Pastor Greg Foster. When he prays for somebody, everybody hears him praying for people. Amen. He's praying and, and different ones are praying all around. And the, the presence of God was so strong. And as I'm sitting there praying, all of a sudden, I hear a voice and I realize something. I 
have no one praying with me. I mean, people are praying with people all around the altar and I'm praying all by myself. Now, I had all that I needed in God. But that same voice said, nobody loves you. Anybody ever been there? Nobody cares. You've been to the altar so many times, they've given up on you. I'm glad he didn't give up on me. Amen. But I began to hear that voice. And I'll never forget that moment of self-pity that began to stir up within me because I was sitting in the middle of God moving, but all I could think about was the fact that nobody loved me. And then the Spirit of God spoke to me. And He said, get up and go pray for somebody else. Well, I got up and I began to go pray. And when I began to pray, I was praying for others. Seems like it was that night that I, I was praying and my wife received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. She wasn't my wife at the time. We were just kids. But watching what God was doing, suddenly it clicked just like that. And I realized that what I was dealing with had been met because of the faithfulness of God when I prayed for somebody else. It changed my life. I preached this point in the first service and one of our young disciples leaders ran up to me after service and he said, Pastor, that's in the Bible, that's in the Bible. I'm like, well, yeah, I guess. He said, no, it's in the Bible, Job 42 and 10. When Job prayed for his friends, then he himself was restored. And so I went and got the Bible and I was like, that's good. When Job, I love it when the people preach back. Come on, amen. When Job prayed for his friends, then he was restored. See, there's a truth here that Jesus says, I don't want you to allow things to divide you. I want you to allow things to unite you and come together as one. So I want to address that this morning. If you're feeling alone, what do you need to do? Well, if you're feeling alone in life, you need to find somebody to pray with. You need to go and realize that somebody else probably has as as big or a bigger problem than you do at that moment. And as you begin to bear their burdens, you'll begin to fulfill the law of Christ. You need to pray for each other. Somebody says, I don't feel like praying for anybody. I'm not worthy. See, that's the lie of the devil. You are a child of the Most High God. You are a people zealous of good works, a peculiar people, Scripture calls you, and you are a royal priesthood. It is your job because of who you are in Christ to pray for others. If you're feeling alone in your marriage, guess what you need to do? You need to pray together. That's one of the hardest things for people to do. I mean, you live with this person. If you pray with them, what did I say happens when you pray together? You stay together. As a matter of fact, there's a 63% chance that you will divorce in the United States of America. 63% chance you will divorce unless you pray together. Then it's 1 in 1105 that you will stay together. You will stay together overwhelmingly. Stay together if you pray together. Only 1 in 1105 will divorce of families that pray together. You see, it's not as hopeless as you thought. But why do we struggle reaching across the The bed to pray. I mean, we'd rather chew nails. Is that just us? It's real. The struggle is real. Come on now, amen. Why? Because we build up walls. And to really pray together, what do we have to do? Tear down walls. 
That means if you're praying for her, you gotta, you gotta admit you might be wrong. When we, when we've been struggling with each other and it comes time for us to have a prayer time, I'll say, you pray. She says, no, you do it. Why? Because somebody's got to take the first step to tear down the wall. When you pray together, you stay together. You work it out together. My goodness. That's what you got to understand. You got to be careful what it'll do in your life, though. You might have to pray for her mother and you might have to love her. Amen. Some of you, I do love my mother in law. Is mine here? I don't know. She's wonderful. Amen. But you might have to pray for her mother, her father. You may have to accept some things that you don't want to accept. Why? Because as the walls begin to fall, you'll realize what's tried to divide you is what tried to rob your family, tried to rob your own. Somebody go, Pastor John, you just don't know what they did to me. You know what? I'm reminded of what we did to Jesus Christ. We nailed him to a cross. He died for our sins, and yet he still loves us. We can love those that God has brought into our lives. Every time I love them, they hurt me. Tear down the walls. And watch God start fighting instead of you fighting. What happens if your family is struggling and you feel alone? Pray together. What happens if you feel alone in God's house? Join in the prayer. Join in the prayer. Tear down the walls and say, God, here I am to worship you with these. And watch what God's going to do. How many of you have seen the movie Woodlawn? Yeah. Highly recommend this movie. A little different than the War Room movie that I recommended to you a few weeks ago because uh, War Room uh, is more for the saints. Woodlawn is really an effective evangelistic tool. Woodlawn is at this point uh, in time in the 1960s where the racial divide is shaking our nation to the core. Particularly as one of the great civil rights leaders declared that Birmingham, Alabama was the worst segregated, divided, racist capital of the world. Birmingham, Alabama, where they began to bus uh, the uh, different uh, groups together. As the different groups began to come together, the racial tension Swells to the point that the National Guard has to be there. It's just unbelievable the tensions that divide the community. And Woodlawn is based on a true story of what God did in Birmingham, Alabama, in the middle of a school that had students that did not want to be together. They bust these students in together. They hated each other. They didn't want to work together. They, they didn't want to be together. And God sends a lame preacher. He's not, he's literally lame, not just lame preacher, but lame preacher. <laughs> Some of you looking at me like, you went past John, but no, watch out now. Amen. But God sends a lame preacher into the town. As he gets into the town, he goes to that school that everyone had given up hope on and the hate was literally, they were chaining the, they were chaining the halls to keep the people separate. And as they go together, Suddenly, this preacher preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ and 97% of the football team gets up and goes and embraces each other and surrenders their life to Jesus Christ. And God began to tear down the walls of division 
God would use this football team as they would continue to seek God together and He would bless them. And a team that could not win would now was winning on every side. They would go all the way that year, as far as they could go, in just the unbelievable run toward the title, and then uh, would be shut out at the last moment. So the next year, they continued to press on toward God. They did not give up in their defeats. They continued to stay together, press on toward God. God began to transform the school. The school became the school of excellence. The school began to be transformed. And not only did God change that school, but because of their love for each other, they reached out to their arch rivals across the way, and God saved that entire team and God began to bless so much so that both coaches got saved. Now watch this now. Both coaches get saved and the one who had taunted the other one has to come and repent. I said, you know God's up to something when people start repenting over sports. Come on now. Amen. And together they would have an unbelievable season and would meet each other in the championship. And I won't ruin the movie for you. But they would meet each other. These two teams that had made God what united them would meet each other. And their focus was this, there is only one way. And if there is really only one way, then there can only be one group or one people that move that way. And it's a united group who realize that we need each other. No matter what divisions there are, no matter what someone said to you, no matter where you're from, no matter whether you are a, a, a southerner or a northerner, whether you root for this team or that team, whether you have this ethnicity or that ethnicity, none of that matters because Jesus Christ looked down through time and He said, you're going to need each other. And if you really want to be successful, then you better get together. Guys, we are living in an hour that sin abounds. Struggles and problems are on every side. But if we will bind together, Join in prayer. Allow the divisions and things and struggles that cause us to fight with each other to fall. I'm not talking, so what's wrong in our church? No, this perfect time right now because there's nothing that we see that we are addressing particularly. But I realize that God is calling us to advance. And while I'm standing in the middle of Tel, Tel Dan, there in the northern area of Dan, God's dealing with my heart and says, that's why you're praying because if you pray together, you'll stay together. If you pray together, God will tear down the walls. You can advance together. Why do people not pray if they know that it's that simple? That if marriages would stay together, pray together, why don't they do it? It's because they don't want to let the walls fall. Because they've learned to live alone. God's not called you to live alone. He's called you to live together. Because together, you can go further. Together, we can accomplish more. For the cause of Christ. Every team that you rooted for yesterday. Won or lost. As a team. I want you to get that. They won or lost as a team. Guys. We're going to win. As a team. We're going to do something. I, I, this is not in my notes, but I feel this this morning. I want God. Pastor Daniel, I've had some intense conversations about this. I, what God has done. I want Him to do something so unbelievable that we can look back years from now and say, God, there's no way we could have done that on our own. Thank You for what You've done. But I don't want to do it without any of You. Because I want to see You become what God's called You to be. If you've stayed isolated, it's time for you to shake that off, knock that wall down, step forward, and say, 
Somebody going, I don't know how to re-enter into the picture. I don't know how to do it again. Pray together. Join together in prayer. Join with us in this last week of 100 days of prayer and join your voice in with a chorus of other voices in what has been thousands of hours of prayer. Join with us and say, God, we don't know what it is you're going to do, but we want what you want. Send souls to this place. As a matter of fact, how many would pray that with me right now? Send souls to this place. Come on, Lord, send souls to this place. Let people be saved like never before. Some of you are going, I don't even know how to pray. Let me show you. Lord, send souls. Say that with me. Lord, send souls to this place. Lord, save their children in this house. Save their lost loved ones in this house. Save their brothers and sisters who are bound in addictions in this house, God. Together, when we pray together, we become one. I want you to stand with me all over this house. Bow your heads. I want right now, I wish we'd just lift our voices in prayer because when we pray together, God does mighty things. But, but I feel like there's some that would say, Pastor, there are walls in my life that need to fall. There's some unforgiveness. There's some struggles. There's some problems. There's some pains that I need to fall so I can walk into line with the body of God the way that I need to, the body of Christ. Let me see your hands if that's you. Can I see your hands? Wow. While almost the majority of the people in this house. God, I thank you that your word is faithful. We have preached your truth today. We have brought your message, God. And now I ask you by the power and the blood of Jesus Christ, God, that today, a message I, I, I have struggled to preach, but today, God, your message, your truth causes the walls to begin to fall. Lord, I thank you that spouses are going to begin to seek God together. I thank you that families are going to begin to pray together. I thank you you've already changed this church as we're crying out together for your face and for your hand and for your deliverance, oh God. You are faithful and you are just and you are good. Father, you see every isolation. You see every wall that needs to fall. You see everyone that the enemy has told them a lie and they believed it. I thank you that truth exposes that today. Father, the walls fall in the name above all names. With every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here today and you say, Pastor Don, I am not one with the body of Christ. I, I don't even know what that means because I'm not, a, I'm not a Christian. But I do feel alone. And I'm ready not to feel that way anymore. I want to surrender my whole life to Jesus Christ. I want to know Him as my Lord and Savior. The Bible says you've got to believe in your heart that He came and died for you and that God caused Him to raise from the dead. And then Scripture tells us that we have to confess Him as Lord. If that's you, nobody's going to embarrass you. I didn't embarrass the others that raised their hand, but I want to pray with you. If you want to become one with Christ and one with His body, and that you want to defeat that alone, Right now, if that's you, could you just raise your hand right where you are if that's you today? Thank you, sir. Are there others today? See, I didn't embarrass this one. I'm not going to embarrass you. Are there others today that would say, thank you, sir? Are there others? Yes. Are there others today? This is your moment to know Jesus Christ. Well, join with these two men that have raised their hand and said, I'm tired of feeling alone. I want Jesus as my Savior to change my life. Quickly, quickly, quickly. Are there others? We're going to pray with these today. Would you join hands with someone near you today? We're going to pray a prayer of faith right now. Those that have walked into here alone and right now are going to begin to be part of the family of God. We're going to pray this prayer out loud together. Pray with me now. Jesus, by faith, I believe Your Word. And right now, 
I confess I am a sinner. Father, forgive me of my sins. You see my past, my present, and my future. I give it all to you. In Jesus' name. From this moment forward, all that I am belongs to God. In Jesus' name. I believe He came for me. He died for me. He arose for me. And now by faith, God is my Father. Heaven is my home. This matter is settled. Amen and amen. Now come on, give the Lord a mighty praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We hope you enjoyed this message from Real Love Now. If you receive ministry today, please consider partnering with us or to order a copy of today's broadcast, please visit DonAllen.org. 